Welcome to the Hobcast, a weekly podcast from Hobeck Books, an independent publisher of thrillers, crime, and suspense novels. Each week, we'll take you behind the scenes of what we do, the challenges and the triumphs, the bumps and troughs of building a new creative business in this pandemic world. We'll hear from the people who make all this possible, the authors, cover designers, and editors, and we'll have expert insights from our guest star interviews. Nothing is off the agenda on the Hopcast from Hobeck Books, as we combine trad values and an indie spirit. Hello. Hello, and welcome again to the Hopcast Book Show. It is show number 66. We're rattling through them. 66. Can't believe it. We're in uh, Route 66 here at the <laughs> London Book Fair. Welcome again to our final special edition from the London Book Fair. It's been an emotional three days. It's yes. been a tough three days. It's been a very rewarding three days too. Yes. Uh, I, I describe it as a kaleidoscope of emotions, of colours, of... And carpet. Of carpets. Yeah, pink carpet, red carpet, purple carpet. I've seen blue carpet. It's been amazing. But we are, I think, at this stage, ready to go home. We have one more interview which we're going to conduct, which will be part of this podcast in just a few moments' time. The man in question is just to our left. But we thought we'd start recording, at least while there's still some hubbub going on at London Buffet. It is such a contrast to... Oh, by the way, my name is Adrian Hobart. Oh, yes. And my name is Rebecca Collins. Together we run Hobart Books, UK independent publishers of the following genres. Crime mysteries thrillers and suspense (laughs) and as I say it is a lot quieter today than it has been on the previous two days it's a bit like being in the last hour of a really really good drunken party yeah without the drunken bit yeah so there's empties but mostly (laughs) coffee cups as opposed to wine glasses it's amazing how many stalls have been swept clear of books and, and people are you know just Looking, they've got a thousand yards stare yeah. of relief. It's, that it's, it's a glassy eyed look, isn't it, of people? And, and so, at the very beginning, when we first got here, everyone was walking really fast with purpose, with confidence, head held high. And I noticed this, this thing that the blokes do, and it's that they lift their arm up swiftly and look at their watch. Well, I should be somewhere important. And it's then they the carry ri- on walking. The, the arm wrist flick combination so you can get to your watch, yeah. which I've just done. And uh, it is, uh, as we record this, uh, 3.28. And you have a 3.30 meeting, so you better get a wriggle on. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Well, we've had a number of occasions where that's been the case, and shifting things around. But we've got some great interviews to come for you on this show as we wind up the Hobcast for this year at London Book Fair. I have to say, last night, I think we, we were in something of a stupor. We were so tired, we could barely lift our eyes to look at each other across the table at oh, the rather... over dinner we didn't really talk to well, each other well the food was so awful um, <laughs> but uh, it just sort of compounded how tired we were feeling we looked like we'd fallen out we sat there yeah just looking I was looking over your shoulder you were looking over my shoulder it did look like we'd had a big round we hadn't at all we were just knackered yes yes it did exactly how it felt it, I thought we would we looked like if it was a soap opera you know it'd be that thing if we went, went into a hug we both have our eyes open looking over the other person's <laughs> shoulder. I mean, that's, that's the nature of... We run the book, the, 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 the company, together. We're 24 hours, seven days a week, we're together. Almost Apart from the times I go and see my son... Are you in the toilet? Yes, that's my refuge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But 
there is there's also you know you're taking the kids to school whatever else but by and large we're in each other's company for almost the entire time yeah and when you come somewhere like this where it's just full on the whole time and even even if you try and stand still it still comes at you oh, yeah. 100 miles you, an hour you, you, even if you shut your eyes you can still hear it so there is no, there is no refuge at all for the whole time you're here and I think we'd built up all our need for a refuge to that moment over dinner and we both sat there yeah Didn't we speak. did but I quite like that about you I can sit and not speak to you and it's fine doesn't mean anything well I was really humping about <laughs> it anyway uh, it's been a, it's been fantastic to meet so many interesting people and I think you know we've just bumped into uh, D- Danny from um, a conscious uh, what, what's it called their company conscious dreams conscious dreams yes they were brilliant on the podcast yesterday just bumped into them but even better than that we walked past Dempsey from Dempsey and make peace who I wouldn't have recognized but he's still a good-looking chap isn't he he is he is <laughs> he looks a bit confused though he's flicking you know. <laughs> But anyway, uh, we have had gathering further interviews for you, and we'll start with another member of the Independent Publishers Guild. Yes. And it's a very different genre from anything we could ever consider publishing. Mm. This is a company called Vertebrate Publishing. Now, Vertebrate Publishing first became known to me because they've approached me on a number of occasions to narrate some of their mountaineering books about, you know, hazardous trips up the Matterhorn or whatever. Uh, and we were keen to speak to them because it's a, it's a very niche field. But nonetheless, they've been flourishing for years dealing with that. But during the pandemic, as John Barton, who is the managing director of Vertebrate, told us, things have changed because people want to use the outdoors far more now than they can. And so therefore, they're switching to more lifestyle books. Yes, absolutely. And I mean, also, I was interested in them because they are uh, they're not based in London they're another um, well they're based in Sheffield aren't they so sort of a northern publisher yeah, yeah not far from us and you know it's always good to feel it's not just in London yeah but uh, yeah let's talk to John Barton it's been quite refreshing the last couple of years because we've broadened what we do and less less protagonists have died at the end of the books. Which, <laughs> so with the, unlike the, our books, which are crime and thrillers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, we yeah most most there wasn't much crime in ours. It was just foolhardy adventure. So yeah, so I mean, we did we did start off, you know, sort of tra- traditionally, you know, pu- you know, publishing narratives about mountaineering epics, and we just found. You know, now we're trying to produce more relatable stories, and you know we're, we're interested in access to the outdoors for you know a broader range of people. And you know, if I'm honest, I'm getting a bit older, and you know, clinging to my ice axes is getting more and more tenuous. <laughs> so, actually, you know, going for a, I mean, this morning I, I got up and went for an absolutely fantastic run into you know around sort of Hyde Park and Buckingham Palace, and, and you, you know, so producing books that inspire people to do stuff like that is you know is, is what we're planning on doing in the next couple of years. Well, that's fantastic. Is that partly because the pandemic is? woken people up to what was on their doorstep and they were missing when they were locked in, locked down? Uh, pandemic, yeah, I remember that. Uh, <laughs> possibly. Um, I mean, I think it was what we always wanted to do. And, uh, you know, and uh, I think the pandemic has brought more people into the countryside. And I actually see that as a good thing. 
and you know and if we can provide books that you know sort of show people what, what they can do and where they can go in the countryside that, you know that's great but in your sphere I mean I've got a few friends I, I used to work at the BBC in, in BBC Sport and then quite a number of people like Vassos Alexander are writing books about running uh, or you've got um, you know other celebrities bringing out books about the outdoors is that something that you're interested in developing or are you going for the expertise side of things I think I think we we try and be authentic, and I'm not saying that's you know I got Alistair Humphreys as a, a a friend of vertebrates and a good friend, and he, he did he did you know he did say am I one of these so-called adventurers that you <laughs> you keep dissing in your in your blog posts you know so you know we're looking for authenticity and we're looking for relatable stories. And you know, Vassos Alexandra or you know, the, is it Rick Edley? The, yeah, Rick Edwards. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, these people can, you know, they can write write good books. And and I think if it, you know, I I personally, I'm not a big fan of Bear Grylls, and you know, and I, I, but he's he's more of an inspirational character than your average Xbox person. So, you know, I I don't think, see it as a, a bad thing. I think it's good for publishing. Um, you know, it, it, not necessarily for us, though. That you know, a celebrity adventure book. I think I think we're more interested in you know people that are out there doing it because that's what they want to do, rather than you know what's the next adventure we need to go on that will look good on Instagram. But yeah. it, might, it actually brings people to your book, so doesn't it? They might first of all come across a celebrity climbing the mountain, but then they look further and. Yeah, ho- hopefully. I mean, I did. I did have somebody come up. We had a stand at a fair once, and we probably had thirty climbing books on the, on the stand. You know, by some of the world's most famous climbers. And somebody came up and said, "Have you got any climbing books?" And I said, "Yeah, we've got all these." And then they said, "You know, like by Bear Grylls." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "He's not a climber." <laughs> but where, where do you stand? I mean, so many shows now seem to be throwing in a sort of wildlife element, element, or a, you know, a, an outdoors element. I was watching. We were watching. Uh, Gordon Ramsay's new cooking show oh, God, yeah. launched last week, and the first thing they did was some coasting. Jumped off a of, thing. Well, he, he jumps jumps out of a helicopter from about ten feet in in his full wetsuit, but then he got all the all the all the rest of the uh, characters jump forty feet off a cliff. And, and they were on the program to prove their chefing skills, not that they can jump off a cliff into yeah. the sea. Does that does that does that you know raise eyebrows that you know they're turning it into sort of game showifying? the outdoors or does that, that bother you in any way I think I think the old me it probably it, it used to because I was probably elitist and now it's like actually that looks fun jumping off there so <laughs> I, you know if I'm honest I, you know I think you know I, like as a publisher and it's maybe this is an obtuse answer our competition is iPads and Xboxes and Netflix not you know not, I'm not saying I don't have all of those three things you know so if you know if, if a show is is showing people that the, you know there is life outdoors and you can do stuff and it's exhilarating, whether it's irrelevant to a cookie show, um, I don't watch a lot of Gordon Ramsay, so I didn't see it. But you know I, I'm fine with it. Um, I think I think where they're not they're not respectful of the outdoors, then you know that's. But I don't generally see that. I I, I, I mean the show I, I really don't like is I'm a celebrity. A, well, a, it's rubbish, <laughs> and B, you know, all that eating of wildlife, you know, for, for entertainment, I just find it a bit disgusting. Yeah. In terms of uh, looking forward to you know, what you've got coming up, what are you proudest of showing off here at, at London Book Fair in terms of, you know, future books and, and, and projects you've got coming up? I think we've, um, 
I mean, we've got a lot of books coming up. We're doing a book at the moment called uh, Stand Up Paddle Boarding, or the Great Stand Up Paddle Boarding in Great Britain. I don't even know the title actually. <laughs> and it's publishers in a in a couple of months. That that's been really good because the the author Joe Mosley sort of discovered going outdoors, you know, in her sort of forties and 50, you know, when she was fifty, and it and it it gave her a I don't want to be condescending whatever the word is you know disrespectful to her it gave her a new lease of life it gave her a purpose in her life you know she's moved on from being a mother and a wife to being joe mosley the stand-up paddleboarder and and then and you know she she did a beautiful film which has nothing to do with us called brave enough and if anybody can watch that it's just amazing and then she's written this book on on how to go you know where to go stand-up paddleboarding in the uk and i, th- I think while we've got a lot of books this year, I think that epitomises what we want to do because it's it just shows anybody at any age, whoever you are, you know, you can go out into the great outdoors and you know have have some fun. Uh, and it, you know, it might change your life. It might not. You might just get wet. John Barton. But there's no harm in trying. Is no, there? absolutely. John Barton. Thank you so much for joining us. Now, also on the IPG stand, the Independent Publishers Guild is number of other publishers but one of them extremely familiar to you yes so a company run by uh, somebody who um, i worked with 20 years ago or just under 20 years ago um so her name is alison alison jones and she runs um her company um practical inspiration books and publishing sorry and um so it was a bit of a reunion uh, you know we've, we've been friends on social media in all that time but I haven't seen her for years yeah and you know you learn a lot from her as we find out in this next clip um, it was great to meet her so it feels like the circle's been closed it has yeah. to be said you know after all, you know, she was your boss for, for a number of years and so terrific to, uh, to catch up and now in the independent publishing field as well pioneering oh, and also another non uh, London based publisher she uh, now lives and works in Cheshire so you know, we are a force to be reckoned with as non-Londoners. We are. <laughs> Here's Alison Jones. Alison Jones. Hello. <laughs> this is a reunion. We ought to say this to our audience know, because yeah. Rebecca learned everything she knows about publishing from you. I did learn quite a lot from you, actually. <laughs> so I meant to say thank you. I like the way you dialed that back a bit. <laughs> We worked together at Oxford University Press. We did uh, a lifetime ago. Yeah, it was. It was. I think it was my second job in publishing. Mm, it's about twenty years ago. Yeah, isn't it? And yes, because my oldest is eighteen. So yeah, it's twenty years ago. Man, we're old. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. Good days, though. It, oh, I loved it. I loved it. I loved every minute of working there. It's brilliant. Great authors, eccentric mm. authors, eccentric people to work with, except for yourself, of course. <laughs> No, it was really good, wasn't it? It was. It was fantastic, and it was a brilliant list to be working. We're working oh. on the non non lexical reference, they called it, the Oxford Companions, and yeah, uh, so as food you say, and yeah. wine, and <laughs> and lots of bonkers authors. It was brilliant. Railway railway buildings. That yeah. was one of my favourites. Oh yeah, well, you, you, can, you can me a copy of that. I did. You? Give, I found yeah. a copy for him and gave it to him because I love that book. Yeah, <laughs> the Oxford Companion series is basically a sort of masterclass in deep niches. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> it is. But here we are at London Book Fair with yeah. a slightly different. Uh, direction and genre uh, over the last few years. So tell us all about your company and what you get from a, an event like this. Okay, so we're speaking on the 7th of April 2022 
and this is my eighth birthday. Congratulations. As a business. I came to the London Book Fair in 2014 as me rather than as Palgrave Macmillan and it was a bit of a rude awakening what do you mean nobody's buying me sandwiches <laughs> and yeah so we're, we're sitting and it's a shame you can't see this but we're, we're sitting in the Practical Inspiration Publishing booth at London Book Fair I'm surrounded by books that have been published in the last few years um, couldn't get them all on the, on the shelves and we focus on business books and self-development which I think is the most interesting non-fiction niche, but I am a bit biased. <laughs> um, but I, no, I, I think it's a really timely niche as well because we've got more new business owners than ever before. You know, I mean, I mm. sort of became an entrepreneur kind of by accident eight years ago, but in the, during the pandemic, like more businesses were started up than ever. There's loads of them, aren't there? Yeah. Sort of, and also really interesting subjects and areas. Some of them related to the pandemic and sort of coping with having to be at home or you know not being being able to engage face to face with people but yeah so it's that been a bit of a boom for your business yeah absolutely yeah <laughs> kind of went both ways we had a couple of people that were um, going to be writing books and went I no, can no longer write a book because I need to focus on my business survival yeah. and other people who went oh like you know I'm not travelling anymore I can write a book now yeah <laughs> so, yeah yeah it sort of went both ways but I think books are such an underrated tool for business owners because most business owners don't have access to formal entrepreneurship education at a business school or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, books they are lightweight, they are cheap. <laughs> you can get so much information and inspiration out of them. I was going to ask you, Alison, because you now have a fantastic network of people who have been there, done it. Mm-hmm. And I suppose any time you might hit a bump in the road or... A, a little wrinkle. You've got you've got a black book now to die for in terms of finding out a way through it. It's phenomenal, and it, it, it is. It's one of those things. Like when I I took a coaching qualification as well, ah, and yeah, part yeah. of the thinking of that was, if it doesn't work out as a coach, yeah. at least I'll have learned some really useful stuff about setting up a business. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I've been through down that path as well. But it's, yeah. that's a, it's a lot tougher than people imagine. It I, is, and it's also a lot more simple than people imagine in some mm, ways as well, isn't it? Because it mm. really is just about holding the space, asking the question, yes. leaning in. Yes. And that has really stood me in good stead for working with authors now. Yeah, I, I need to use it a bit more. <laughs> my, my good lady is the one who does most of that stuff. But you're right. I mean, I've never talked about my coaching. No. See, Co- I'm sitting here thinking, ooh. Ooh. Tell me more. <laughs> I'll just step back. You two chat. Well, no, no, it was a bit... I'll it, forward the email to this, you. I did this through the BBC, so it was definitely directed at getting people to uh, get over themselves. Mm. <laughs> That's the way that the BBC were looking at it and become more functional again. Uh, and actually, I was the one who was falling apart at that point in my life. And, uh, you know, so it was... <laughs> I found myself doing the, exactly the wrong thing, which was talking too much. And that's, that's lesson one of the whole thing about being a coach is to shut up and let listen. people speak yeah, yeah. Listen. so uh, I wasn't a natural for it um, <laughs> <laughs> nonetheless but it's, it, it must feel fantastic to be at a point today eight years on to look around and these this beautiful set of shelves and the books that, with titles that just come straight at you yeah, they're good-looking books, aren't they? Very they lovely, yeah. Yeah. colourful. And the book, I mean, they say don't judge a book by its cover. What do they know? It's what, exactly what you do. The cover has to communicate immediately that this book is for you and, yeah. and that it's accessible, that it's going to give you something of value, that it's intriguing. You know, we spend a lot of time on our covers. So, you know, from eight years ago... I was typesetting the first book that yes. we published. Yes, that's still us, yes. Yeah, proofreading, everything. That cover design, us. yeah. 
now we've got a team it's I'm allowed to work in my zone of genius. My zone of genius. I'm working in my zone of, in the in my narration booth. Yes, my zone of Don't genius. Don't me. I'm in my zone of genius. <laughs> I love it. That's great. Yeah, it's Gay Hendrix, The Big Leap. Uh-huh. Okay. Really good book. And he talks about your zone of genius. And basically, when you're doing something, just have a quick check-in. Is this in my zone of genius? Because if it's not. You shouldn't be doing it. You shouldn't it. be doing it. You know, delegate. Find someone else whose zone of genius it is and let them do it. And you crack on with what you're good at. It must be brilliant, though. Uh, from the point where, you know, obviously, you were in a senior position when you worked with Rebecca. But to have that autonomy. To, uh, of course, you're working with people. And, of course, the authors want their input. And that's part of the, the brilliance of being an independent publishing company in that you can offer that level of direct contact with yes. the authors and they feel that that's why they come to companies like us and you yeah. but how liberating is it to be in this position <laughs> not, not a leading the question at all, all. <laughs> no, 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 no sorry I felt you know I've it, it up is no you're yeah. absolutely right and that the autonomy is is <laughs> wonderful and terrifying yeah because when you're an entrepreneur you, you know, in a sense there's no Ceiling. There's no constraint on what you can do. There's also no floor. No, that's true. <laughs> to stop your fall. <laughs> so that, you know, it kind of depends on how you're feeling in the moment as to whether that's a good a cool and thing. And can vary or, day by day and in the day as well, can't by it? By the minute, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, you know, it is. It's wonderful. What I love. I remember when I was um, I was director of digital innovation strategy at Palgrave Macmillan, at my sort of mm. last corporate mm. job. I used to get all these um, sort of startups coming to me and asking you know would you be interested and of course it was very hard to sell any kind of participation or experimentation through all the governance hoops of a big organization and and quite rightly because you know actually why there's not much benefit you know uh, potentially but now now you can just take a punt you know you can work Mm. with a with a a startup and you can say well let's yeah let's absolutely put our books into this new experimental audio ebook sort of you know Mm. combo thing and and it, we just do it, and, and that's brilliant. And the reason we can do it is that we've really, really put the back into the systems and the processes that enable that. Because then you just flick a switch and you've got a, a feed and, and you can, you know, it, if you haven't... The, having the plumbing in place sets you free. Yeah. You know, you, there's so much stuff you can do when you know where everything is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's yeah. true. It's yeah. something we're improving, but that's very clear to us, you know... You, I mean, we're, we're marking our, what, second anniversary, effectively, by being here. Because the last time we came, when, which was... Yeah, so the last it, book fair, it was just us two. Did we have a logo then? No, we didn't no, have a logo. We, we <laughs> and now we you've had, got mics and everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is how far we've come. <laughs> Everyone's jealous about the mic. And a mug, boxes. we have a mug, but we didn't bring on mugs. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's that f- feeling of... Um, it's all very well. You can get your first authors in, which we've done, and it's been brilliant. But getting it so that it's grooved and that yeah. it's uh, it's a smooth because <laughs> yeah, we, when we started out doing the typesetting for ourselves, got our first copy of Vellum and start, started producing books. It was all fresh, wasn't it? I was wasn't terrified. It? I remember, you know, we were coming up to publication day. I was thinking, I've got to put this up on like all these systems, and I've got to work out, you know, get the metadata right for everything. I was thinking, I've never had to do this before. Oh, ISBNs, where do they come from? You know, it was like, yeah. But, going from zero to 100 very quickly in a matter of a week I think it was it did feel like that but now it's like okay yeah do that yeah do that yeah do that we've got there's another step change we can make which is to just sort of say right get on with it 
with someone else to do well, it. So and that's it. As long again. as it's in your head, that's no help because you know what you're doing, but you're going to be stuck doing it forever yeah, unless you can operationalize that. Yeah, that's our next job. Well, you know, I knew this interview would bring us some... <laughs> some because I wanted to say, I mean, this is no word of a lie. I mean, there is a regular conversation that Rebecca and I have, and she will quote you and say, Alison always told me this. <laughs> or, you know, and particularly when she says, now I know you've looked at the back blurb of that cover, but could you look at it for the sixth time, please? Yeah. Because something's going to be wrong, and, and that was something apparent. That was, it was both you and Pam drummed that into me. Yeah. Check, check, check again, and then check again. Absolutely. And then get someone else, someone random to check, because that's good too. And Pam so, Coot taught us everything we knew, basically, doesn't Oh, she's know, brilliant. She's amazing. So in a sense, I'm sort of feeling this sort of the circle has been closed now today in this, <laughs> in this conversation because, you know, you wouldn't know it, but you've been very influential on the development of Hobeck. That's hilarious. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because you know, oh, well, I started special. that job. I didn't know very much Paying at all, forward. really. But, yeah. And so in terms of taking the business forward, mm. what's the... Where do you see things going? I mean, we've, we've survived the pandemic. It's yeah, actually been here beneficial. we are. The other, well, I yeah. don't know if we have survived the pandemic. I think this is going to be a super spreader event. Yeah, so. <laughs> so, yeah we're all yeah, going to a weekend in bed. <laughs> yeah. And the rest. <laughs> yeah, so more books. Uh, I don't want to grow the list much more than this. I think 35 books a year is my kind of ceiling for yeah. really knowing each book and being involved with each author, which is really, really important to me. So it's it's you know carrying on sort of more of the same and building on the stuff that we're doing but we could do better yeah so the book sh- the bookshop sales for example you know i've spent a lot of time schmoozing with booksellers here today yeah. <laughs> we're running more events we're uh, smartening up our marketing because we're, we're promoting our authors as much as our books and they've got platforms as well um, and it's international. Uh, we, we've had a lot of rights conversations today. We've been talking to instructional designers about, you know, course development. So yeah, I was going to say, it's just yeah. building out, you know, taking that intellectual property and really making yeah, the most of making it. Making the most of the intellectual exactly. property. And other platforms, yeah. I presume, you know, becoming a bigger feature now. I mean, the audiobooks are in an obvious sort of adjunct. But Yeah, more audio. Yeah, it's, it's getting much more cost effective. We're also yeah. going to be experimenting with digital audio. As in AI-generated audio. No, 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 no. no, no. I don't think that would ever work for your leprechaun erotica or whatever deep niche you're happy to be thinking about. The audience are aware of it, yes. (laughs) (laughs) And actually, for instructional books... It might work. Okay, I, I don't know. I it's, pretty it. it's pretty, it's pretty good. good. It's pretty good. I think. I think it day. is that thing, though, that you, you know, with fiction, what you're selling as a narrator is the emotion. Yes. And that's what you've got to. But connect can you with. put emotion in pensions? I tried. <laughs> I really tried. I got very excited about sips. I think uh, a lot of people get very emotional about pensions, <laughs> especially if they haven't got one. Yeah, exactly. It's fast approaching. <laughs> but look, Alison, it's been an absolute pleasure to see you and finally meet you, in my case, and to reunite Rebecca and yourself. You know, you know, one of your protégés has gone forth and multiplied. But, you know, well, I wouldn't say that. I have three children. <laughs> I have nothing to do with that. Just be really clear. <laughs> yeah, right, okay, fair enough. Perhaps I took that analogy too far. But anyway, 21 or and 45 books later yeah yeah your, your wisdom has yeah, come through the generations yeah. my work here is done I'm yeah done. absolutely no, <laughs> I'm never happy. done <laughs> well uh, yeah and uh, well we wish you uh, no Covid and a quick recovery from what is and a lovely quiet weekend a manic <laughs> event yeah it's been fun and I'm ready to go <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think that's a good state to be isn't it fun but ready to go home yeah.
Yeah, I think it speaks for all of us. <laughs> when we started thinking about setting up Hobeck books, it's a few years ago now, not that many, I started <laughs> listening. I mean, certainly the, the kernel of the idea of setting up Hobeck books, in my mind, or at least getting into this independent publishing sphere, was through podcasts, principally. Joanna Penn's podcast, she yep. was around here this week. And also... Uh, potentially our next guest after this one yeah. <laughs> uh, Mark Dawson's self-publishing formula uh, was another important influence on the decision to do what we've done but equally the fantastic bestseller experiment podcast presented by Mark Stay mm. um, where he and a, a colleague tried to create and publish a book, best-selling book within 50 weeks uh, was a, another big influence you know this feeling that you can do this and it's a good fun podcast as well it's, a, it's up to 400 episodes now that's incredible isn't it we're yeah. on 66 and they've done 400 and he is a very established and polished writer he's written some uh he was principally a screenwriter before writing novels now but he also worked in the you know he was a uh, a gamekeeper, yeah, so to speak, in publishing, mainstream publishing, Orion and places like that, as he explains. Uh, but now he is a full-time author and uh, a met book mentor and keeps the podcast going. Mm. And uh, it was great to speak to and him. And a so, jolly nice chap too. I've never met him before. And look, I just, I want to be his friend. Yeah, <laughs> he, he, yeah, he's a tremendous guy. So well, let's speak to Mark Stay. Well, we're absolutely thrilled to be joined by Mark Stay. This is a bit of a fanboy moment for me because oh. <laughs> I'm a massive fan of the podcast. Oh, thank you so much. Thank and, you. Um, I have to say, without the bestseller experiment, uh, I don't think I would be doing what I'm doing now, which well, is running a publishing company. We're happy no to pressure. take full blame. <laughs> running a publishing company. Yes, Crikey. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, partly the fact is that we got together and Rebecca was in publishing and I needed something outside the BBC so right. that's, that's and I we... said why don't we do it ourselves give it a go yeah, yeah why the hell not fantastic so oh, the last that's time... so good to hear well thank you so the last time we were here when it was last held mm. we were ingenues walking around going yes uh, they... without even a logo but now here we are with 21 authors and 45 books and la 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 but and two congratulations <laughs> they've got listeners they've got really great mics proper mics the, the, the kit you've got is far superior to anything we've got on our podcast so, yeah, I'm, in, I'm in awe podcast envy yeah definitely I, want, I don't know what that is but I want one of those well you can you can travel through time with that you know? it does look like it. it hits 88 miles an hour you're going to see some serious stuff yeah yeah. it's something else isn't it yeah that, that's new to the, the inventory but mm. uh it's great to speak to you. So, you have uh, really—I mean—you're one of the sort of flag bearers for this indie revolution. And I'm, is that fair? I'm, I'm not sure it is. Uh, I mean, you've got you know the Mark Dawsons and and, mm. and people like that. You know who who were the real pioneers. I think I came to it quite late. I I think I mean I try not to see too much. I, I'm not one of these people that say it has to be indie and it has to be trad and never the no, twain no, no, or no, me. No, no. I, I think the future is hybrid. I think you're seeing a lot more traditionally published authors getting the rights back to their book and finding organisations that can help them market them or, or reinvent them or republish them or they might just you know decide to do it themselves. And that that is, you know, I mean, we started the podcast in what, you know, 20... 17 yeah. I think I've, yeah. lost, I've completely lost track of time <laughs> um, you know and so much has changed even then so uh, we were 
we were all about trying to inspire writers. The self-publishing thing was there. But we said to I think the best thing we ever did on the podcast was say to people, look, beat us to it. If you've got a half-written novel in a drawer or whatever, wherever you want to do it, indie, trad, whatever way you want to go, beat us to it. And the great joy is so many of our listeners have. And, and yourselves, you know, you've done the, well, that's astonishing, setting up your own publisher. <laughs> that's that's next-level stuff. But, um, you know, we've, we've seen authors published by Golantz and HQ and Avon and, and, and you know, some, um, and they've gone on to win awards and write trilogies. And it's just been wonderful. And it's, it's the reason we kept the podcast going, because really our remit was only for one year to, to you know, yeah, self-publish a novel in a year and see if we can get it up a few charts. But just to keep that ball rolling and just the privilege of talking to authors every week um, – and you soon discover there's no there are as Millie said in the panel we just did Millie Johnson said there are no rules you know apart mm. from maybe write something and finish it there, there are no rules you know you, you'll find your own way of doing this there is no single path you've just got to keep banging your head against the keyboard until some words come out absolutely mm. and, you, and you can do both at the same time you can traditionally publish one book write another one and publish it yourself and yeah I mean I've you know I first novel was traditionally published Back to Reality mm. we self-published uh, the end of magic was Unbound, which was crowdfunding. Yeah, it's um, another way, yeah. You know, and now I've got um, five books for Simon and Schuster in various stages of release and you know yeah. drafts and what have you. So um, it's uh, and I, I will definitely go back to the self-publishing space at some point and the hybrid thing. It's it's the opportunities are there, and you now look at a project and you start thinking, okay. Where could this live? Could, mm. Would this do better with the publisher? Would I be better off doing it myself? Uh, and you know you. It's, it comes down sometimes down to genre, uh, who the readers are, are they international, are they just for the UK, are they just, you know, it's, there's a million decisions to make and none of us really know what we're doing, <laughs> but, you know, we, we flounder our way through, but as long as, through that, as long as we all keep writing, I think, you know, that's what makes me happy, though, you know, that first writing session of the day is, gets me, gets me off and gets me going. I mean, to ask that the... the energy you must get back from listeners mm. and, and the stories, that must inspire oh, it's, even it's, those dark days when you're struggling at the keyboard. Yeah, it makes me tingle you know, <laughs> we've, we've um, someone was here yesterday, Ivan Wainwright the author Ivan Wainwright, he won the selfies Wow, and Ivan's been a Patreon supporter for three years. He's, you know, we're constantly talking to him on social media, cheering him on, saying you know, if we were there when he was doing the two hundred word a day oh, challenge, wow. and so, and now he's, he's an won, an, he's won an award yeah. at the London Book Fair. I know, I mean, that, you you know, that's brilliant, isn't it? It's astonishing. So yeah. we, you know, we we every everything that happens like that just lifts us. It's yeah. um, and it's why we keep coming back for more. Tell us about the series then with Simon and Schuster. I was just flicking through and looking because you know I'm yes. sort of catching up with your your uh, career up to date now well it's called The Witches of Woodville yeah and it's about a young girl it's set in uh, in, a, in a fictional village in Kent North Kent in 1940 home front I, I always pitch it as the last ten minutes of bed knobs and broomsticks meets dad's army with a bit <laughs> yeah. of Buffy the Vampire Slayer <laughs> uh, and she's a young witch who discovers her mother's passed away but she discovers a book of magic that her mother left her and there are two other witches in the village and as the series goes on, they confront supernatural threats, as well as the war going on and rationing and everything else that's going on. There are things in the deep, dark wood. And um, I'm uh, the third one. So we've got The Crow Folk is the first one. Babes in the Wood came out last summer. Uh, the third one, The Ghost of Ivy Barn, comes out in July. And I'm currently working on the first draft of number four, which is, um, and I, I love it. It's my happy place. It's, uh, <laughs> it's where I return to again and again. And it's, um, Simon and have been absolutely brilliant. So supportive so enthusiastic and uh, I hope 
they'll let me keep writing them for as long as possible. And the thing is, if they don't, I can still do there it. Are other options. Yeah. You know, yeah, there I are can, other options. I, I, I already write short stories that I give away in my newsletter. So if you want to know some, you know, and I'm now dropping hints in the stories about those short stories. So hopefully people will go and seek out more. And um, so, yeah, that's, that's what I, you know, it's, um, it's been such a great opportunity. I, and it was when I sat with my agent and said, let's go traditional with this because I'd like to see it in bookshops. You know, I'd like to come to things like this and mm. you know, talk about it and sell it internationally and stuff mm. like that. So, so yeah, yeah, that's, that's been, it's been a joy to write. Over the years and coming to this event, do you feel more comfortable as you go along as, as the years pass? Or, because we feel a little overwhelmed coming yeah. to an event like this. Well, this is the first, is it the first time I've come here and I've not worked for a publisher because uh, I used to I worked for Headline I used to work for Orion Publishing and so I'd use the Hachette stand as my base you yeah. know, leave your bag there it gives you that sort of confidence doesn't yeah. it having that base yeah and you've got free tea and coffee out the back and <laughs> Kit Kats and stuff that's now forbidden to me I can't go in there but I'm here as an author and actually I'm all kind of goosey loosey I'm kind of enjoying you're it you're a nomad yeah and um, it is intimidating I think because there's just so much you walk through this is a big two big halls you know you walk yeah. in and go whoa where do I start I think if you're an author start at Author HQ absolutely you know there's a full roster of stuff from morning till night with the best authors indie trad and everything in between giving you terrific advice you're meeting your peers exactly here as well. i think that's the most important thing isn't yeah, it absolutely you know you're meeting people who might be just starting out finish a draft maybe on the first book or whatever looking for that same and you'll make friends here and you'll make contacts and you know you'll see each other you know uh, rise up so um yeah there's it's definitely worth spending a day here i'm mm. not sure i'd want to spend much more than that to be honest and you know this is a place of business i know because Letting authors in is quite a, is a relatively new thing. Yeah. Um, you know, this is this is where your editors and agents are selling books. They're really, really busy. They don't necessarily want you doorstopping them and going, Oi, about that 99p promotion a few months ago. <laughs> you know, they haven't got time for that. They've got no. business to do. But, um, you know, it's great to see it thriving. It's just nice to see people again, isn't it? Mm, it's wonderful, yeah. 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 It's me. <laughs> You're right. You're right. It is. We found that. I mean, we've definitely the barriers have gone up when we went to try again to the right spit. Right. Oh, yeah. Don't go there. Oh, don't go there. You don't want to do that. No, no. that was a little well, naive. Let us in. <laughs> no, we were, name wasn't name, on the list. Absolutely <laughs> not. Name's not Dan. You're not coming in. And clear off. Um, in terms of your ambitions, and you know, next couple of years, what, what are you planning? Finishing that series clearly, but what else is? Oh, well, I don't want to finish the series. I want it to go on oh, and on. Yeah, you know? So yeah. um, I've got a film coming out in October, which is fun. Uh, a horror movie called Unwelcome, which is coming from Warner Brothers. Oh um, wow! So that's uh, that's in the can. It's all done. We've just been waiting for. We were supposed to bring it out in March, um, but uh, COVID, Omicron, everyone got a bit jittery, so they've moved it to Halloween, which for a horror movie, I think, yeah. is is great. Um, so I'm working with my co-writer and director on the next one. Um, we've just got the first bit of funding through for that so there might be another film we're, we're, we're pitching TV shows as well so it's nice to balance that, that you know writing for film and TV is very collaborative you're very much in service of the project you do as you're told in other words uh, whereas when I'm writing the novels like I said it's my happy place that's for me that's my thing so it's great to have a balance of those two things Fantastic. Sounds Thank like you for you're going to be very busy. <laughs> well, you know, it's either that or I sit around eating chocolate hobnobs all day. Do both that, at the same is, time? No, I can't. I really can't. I'm, I'm on a calorie-controlled diet at the moment. It's gone too far. <laughs> yeah, it's probably a good job you can't have the Kit Kat. So. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's very good. Very good. Two Mark, stay, it's been an honour and a pleasure. Thank you oh, for joining us. Same here. Same here, Agent. Thank Cheers. You Thank you. Take care. Thank you.
And to finish the week off, I think we have the guest that we've always wanted to get on the show. <laughs> the man who I credit with giving me the idea. The rug- w- rugby tackle worked, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Lee Child wasn't available, so... <laughs> well, absolutely. Yeah. Peter James turned us down politely, but no. Mark Dawson, thank you for joining us. Pleasure. And, and I, do, I do give you credit uh, for planting the seed that led to us setting up a, a company. And so we thank you for that because I started listening to the self-publishing formula when it was uh, oh, yeah, SPF right. it was, yeah. um, some years ago, and now we are a fully-fledged company. But it really couldn't have happened without people like yourself pioneering the industry. Yeah, no, it's, it's nice we hear that quite often these days. People you know, either started... Someone like Jasper Joffe was, was a early... Yes. He took our, one of our courses early on and... Now, as you know, Chapter's obviously a very clever guy and has done really, really well. But you know, he, he would, I think, would admit that in the early days he got quite a lot out of our community, which is lovely to hear because someone like him is, is helping dozens of authors now make livings as make their livings as a writer, which is, is wonderful. Yeah, in fact, it was that interview with Jasper way back. In, I think it was your show, eighty two or something like that, that made all the difference. Yeah, that, that was yeah. the point where we thought. Let's uh, use your publishing knowledge. Yeah, my um, knowledge and your... Uh, my, I don't know what I have. I'll bring to the party. <laughs> Ravishing good looks. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yes, at one point. Um, <laughs> but here we are. Um, last time we shook hands was actually here, the last time the book show was held. Yep. And uh, does it surprise you? Because I, I've mentioned this a couple of times in, on our shows this week, that... Author HQ and the sort of indie community are still parked in a corner. No, it doesn't really surprise me because I mean, if you think about, as I just actually said to someone on, on the stand who asked me a similar question, I think it is, it's got to the stage now where the traditional industry can't really ignore the fact that there is another way to publish. But at the same time, we are in some ways a threat to that model. Um, so they kind of have to have a us as a presence here but perhaps not a presence that is as obvious as some of the others in, in the main hall and, and also of course the, the guys in the main hall are paying quite a lot of money to be <laughs> yes. in those positions whereas you know I, I don't know how much it costs to be out here but I imagine it's a little bit less so yeah it's not a surprise um, but you know it's, it's worth one of those things that's worth finding you you get the uh, the authors will 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 find us eventually and, and I think you know it's been pretty good the I've only been here today this this year, but it's been pretty good. Good enthusiasm and a lot of people asking good questions. So, yeah, that's that's. I mean, it's interesting because we were talking to to Rachel McLean about the sort of questions she was being asked, and she felt that there was a gulf between the you know the the, the path that you and she have taken in terms of figuring out the, what the audience want and writing to that. Whereas a lot of people coming up to the desk are with their dreams. With you know they have their, <laughs> yeah. they have the book in them and they want it to be presented in the way they want it presented as opposed mm-hmm. to what the audience are expecting. I think there is something that we, we are all guilty of uh, and kind of unconsciously is that we are we kind of we're in an echo chamber, right? So what we think everyone knows what we know about publishing. Um, and and, and it's easy for us to think that what we know is really common knowledge. But I've been doing this long enough now, and, and I've been speaking at well the LBF for maybe six or seven years now, and at other conferences. And, and it is definitely true that most people don't know what's possible. Um, so I've had questions today about how do I format a book, and <laughs> yes. you know um, where can I find an editor? What do I need to do the cover? What's the difference between KDP and Amazon? You know, these are questions that are so rudimentary 
so rudimentary and, fun, and fundamental that because you know and we know that we know the answers because we we live this whereas most people most people who, who would like to write a book have no idea that they don't need anybody else to to reach readers um i think that's exciting you know it's you know for, for us spf as educators it's a lot of people that we can still reach and for you guys as publishers that's a lot of people who you you, you might be interested in publishing with you rather than taking what might be considered a less attractive deal with somebody else yeah with, with the traditional industry down there and, and i say down there because they they are down there they are down there <laughs> yeah looming large but but down there it, it it's it's interesting i mean obviously you you have two main courses that, that you offer the 101 course is really for those people who are coming up to your desk and, and, and don't yep. know how to format at least the, the early sections of that course explain all of that and building an author platform and a website and then you're getting into the the stuff that actually shifts books yeah but that is a hard thing and i i, I said i know that you rev- revise the auth- ads for authors course that we have um every year but it's moving so fast for instance yeah. facebook the changes with a- apple devices suddenly being blocked to them because people are opting, opting out their data and suddenly the, the, the ads platform has changed completely. Yeah, it's one of those things. We, we, we decided early on that, we, we would, number one, we wouldn't offer like a yearly license. So it's, you buy once, it's, yeah. it's yours. Um, number two, we, we decided that we wouldn't charge for additional content within that course. So things like we've added things like the TikTok, oh, the TikTok course, TikTok, yeah. which I mean that was that cost. Well, I'm not say how much, but that was a, that cost us a good five figures, wow. very good five figures to put that together. And we could very easily have charged for that, but we, yeah, again, we took the decision that we would give, we would include that in a rolling kind of way for everyone. Um, and number three was we would, as best as we could, we would try and make sure it was always up to date. So that does involve usually young Tom um, going through the um, <laughs> the courses and making sure that what we show in the course is reflected in what authors see on their dashboards yes and in those cases where it doesn't match up and we feel it's it's too far away from what they actually see or it would be a diff- more difficult for them um if we didn't change it we, we will re-record things and obviously that's time consuming and expensive but on the other hand our courses have a pretty good reputation i think that those reasons are are partly why that's true because people know that we are going to look after them it isn't just to give us your money and then we're going to forget about you it's mm. we want to make sure that they recommend us to everybody else and also just because it's the right thing to do you know? yeah absolutely but uh, the the interesting thing i mean tiktok obviously is something that you've put up there this year and uh had a big last few months have been a big sort of push where people joining in and, and sort of sharing their their yep. discoveries Yep. On, on TikTok, but there is a feeling that perhaps with Facebook becoming a little a, more of a blunt instrument, it's no longer the scalpel because of the fewer options you've got to sort of target accurately your audience. I think that's overblown, actually. Did you think? I do. Yeah, yeah I, I think wonder. people have panicked about that with, <laughs> yeah. without really thinking about it enough to whether that panic, panic is warranted. So I, I, what Facebook has done is it's made it a little bit more difficult to reach some people, but it hasn't hasn't really affected the platform itself if you imagine facebook as a wall garden if you things you do on facebook facebook still owns that information sure and you yeah. can still use that information to target what it has made things a bit more difficult is things like retargeting so um 
you have someone visit, you click on a Facebook ad, go to a website on an Apple device, Facebook might not be able to use that information or, or use it. Yes. Give you the option to use that as a targeting option. Um, so, yeah, that's definitely had an effect. And things like um, easier um, unsubscription from newsletters and things like that and, and kind of anonymised email addresses, stuff like that, that mm. kind of ha- have a useful impact when it comes to privacy, have certainly made it more challenging to use Facebook ads, but people abandoning Facebook as an ads platform are, are making it easier for those who don't see it quite the same That's way. That's actually a really good point, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, where would you say your, your, the emphasis in terms of platforms that you're using to, to market well, the books? I got that question today as well. I mean, it varies from month to month at the moment. It's probably 70-30 in favour of Amazon. Yeah. Um, but next month, depending on what my aim might be, it could switch to something else. Mm. So, you know, we use, we use Facebook as all kinds of things. To sell books, to sell courses self-publishing show we're advertising tickets of course in June um, in June so there's there's lots of different um, purposes you can put it to and also it depends on genre as well so I mean you know my ads it's a, it can be a struggle for me these days but then I, I've had about I don't know guessing here I've probably spent a million pounds on Facebook ads over the last six or seven years it'd be in that area yeah um, so I've had hundreds of millions of impressions so people in my genres are in my genre they, they know my ads you, you take someone in a, in, a, in a genre like, you know, kind of a subgenre of romance who's just getting started with three or four books, that, that can be a, a real money pit. Well, not, no, not a money pit. It could be a real kind of money-generating ATM. Right. Even today. And it, it was definitely more so 10 years ago, but I, mm. we still see lots and lots of authors doing really well with Facebook ads. Yeah, yeah. Is there a need for... I mean, do you, do you anticipate there'll be another platform that's going to come along i mean tiktok's obviously appealing to a certain generation of, of readers and, and, and building yeah. sales there I, I think tiktok actually to my i mean i i'm i was skeptical about tiktok yeah i, I still and i because i'm just <laughs> super busy i i don't have time myself and i also i i'm slightly slightly skeptical that there might not be an audience for as big an audience for me as on tiktok as compared to other platforms but saying that james co-host on the self-publishing show yeah. is using TikTok really well with his one book yes um, and he has he's got videos with over a million views now and yeah I mean, he's, he writes military fiction so obviously given Cold the, War plane enthusiasts yeah and given the current yeah. climate he's leaning into in, in a respectful way uh, things that we're seeing with yeah. unusual aircraft flying over parts of Europe that you wouldn't normally see and, and you know he's definitely generating interest for his books and as he said on the, on the show, I mean, he, he's making a profit with one book, which is hard to do. Um, he's making a profit and also make building his audience, yes. which is his, yeah. his main That's aim. Absolutely. And in terms of your writing with John Milton and, and the other series that you're writing, um, all of the other things that you, you're involved in, do they get in the way of the writing or is, is that still sacrosanct? The writing is the most important thing. So, I mean, if, if I had to choose, then I'm sorry, SPF gets the bullet immediately. <laughs> um, but luckily, these days, you know, the, the writing side is just me. Right? So it's a, the business is really just me. There isn't really anybody else. Um, on it, on the SPF side, we probably have ten people working on that around the world. With you know, one permanent member of staff, young Tom, um, me, James, and John, and then maybe seven or eight. Uh, contractors or VAs mm. or um, support staff. Catherine is increasingly important to the business. There's lots of 
people who are able to help and you know, things like the podcast I don't have to, I just have to turn up talk for 10 minutes and then <laughs> clear off again and, and, and James and James does the interviews but then the actual production is all handled by other people now so you have right. to stay in your zone of genius this is a phrase we learned this yes. morning didn't yeah, we yeah 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 so anything that is, is not in your zone of genius other people can do just yeah I, I think when, we, we've done it all before I mean, in the early days we did everything um, but it's not efficient as you, as you get to a stage where we're able to, to find people who know what they're doing in those zones of genius so you know we've got <laughs> a really good video editor who does the YouTube show um, and edits the podcast at the same time we can do that we have done but I'd rather James spend his time doing something that was more valuable um, yeah and, we, and we're, we're happy to pay for someone to do a good job and, and that's what they do so yeah it's, it is a question of just being a bit smart on that and I have to ask, how's the building going? Because I've been watching on oh, Instagram yeah. the, the plans and then the yeah, steel's going in and whatever. Yeah, we've converted a barn uh, next to our house, and that's pretty much pretty much done. I think in, in a couple of weeks' time, I should be in there. Wow. <laughs> Hopefully. It's yeah. taken, it's taken so that's another milestone. I mean, it's been a remarkable journey yeah. over the last few years. Absolutely, do you pitch yeah. yourself still that this has all happened? Or, yeah. Or yeah, do you put I, it down to the zone of genius? I, mean. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's important, it is important to remind you, for me anyway, to remind myself that this is kind of my, was my dream job. You know, and I, I, certainly the writing side has always been something I always wanted to do, even as a young child. I suppose to do that now and to be paid really well for doing something that I love mm. is, I know that's really lucky. Um, then on the other hand, you know, I didn't know that I'd enjoy teaching as much as I do and, and doing things like this. I used to hate public speaking, I used to be terrified of it, um, mm. but I quite like it now. Mm. Um, and so it's, it's great to be able to have two businesses that I really enjoy. Um, is I'm, I'm very fortunate, so yeah, I do. I, I do have to remind myself to be grateful for everything that is put together. Before we finish, then remind us where they, people can find you online, but also. Uh, about the uh, SPF, oh sorry, the SPS yeah. live this event and when that is and where it is this year. So yeah, markjdawson.com for my books, um, selfpublishingformula.com for SPF. Uh, the self-publishing show is on, in the South Bank Centre on the Banks of the Thames in June. I think it's the 27th or 28th. Yeah. It might be the 20th or 29th, but I think it's the 27th I think it's the, 28th. You, the, the, the early dates, yeah. Yeah, and ticket, we, uh, tickets are available. We don't think we'll sell out this year for the same reason that LBF is not that busy mm. because I think people are still a little bit nervous about COVID and I think they're also a little bit nervous about world events and things like that. So mm. we, we think there'll be space, but it, we've, we'll have about 500 to 600 authors there, I think, yeah. and sponsored by Amazon, loads of... You know, three three speakers will have been at number one in the, the US store um, wow. and you know, uh, Rachel who we've mentioned is giving a, did a, a webinar for us that was really great she's going to do something similar to that which will be really worth, worth going to as well so we're looking forward to it Mark thanks so much for your time and bringing our LBF podcast to a close Thank pleasure you. thanks for having me Thank Wonderful speaking to Mark Dawson from the self-publishing show and the author of the John Milton series, Atticus Priest, and a number of other uh, best-selling series, and one of the great pioneers of indie publishing. So, Absolutely. Yeah, no, it was great to speak to him. So uh, we are delighted to have had that opportunity. And as I say, uh, I think in terms of the development of Hobeck, the creation of Hobeck, it wouldn't have happened without the influence of those podcasts and indeed those courses. Absolutely. <laughs> 
She said again. Absolutely. Right. <laughs> Before we go... You can tell I'm tired. Yeah, you're very tired. Before we go, we'd like to remind you that we not only produce ebooks or indeed printed books, but also audiobooks. We do. Enter a world of great stories from Hobeck Audiobooks, from authors including Mark Whiteman, Linda Huber, Malcolm Hollingdrake, Essie Shepherd, Ollie Jarvis, A.B. Morgan and Robert Dawes. Tamara Sullivan once more gave up on the book in her hand. She leaned back in her seat, closed her eyes and prayed that the two-and-a-half-hour flight would bring less turbulence than the last few months of her life had managed to generate. Lottie's hands fought their way back to his hair. With a yank, she almost removed an entire clump. Stop the bloody car now, DC Bradshaw. That's an order. I squeeze the steering wheel to stop my hands shaking and lean forward to give myself the clearest view of the road. Last week, I was looking forward to a holiday. Last week, I had a future. She dreaded the answer to her next question. But why me? You must be aware that I haven't accepted any work for three years. You'd never request someone who'd been out of the game for so long. Unless... She stopped. Unless I had some special skill. Daria leaned over to kiss Evie's damp little forehead, then jerked back in horror as a long, deep horn blared and headlights from an approaching lorry swept through the cab. A single, sickening scream left Daria's soul as Evie's rucksack scratched across her face. Betancourt waved a languid hand. Later, he pulled away the cover. Working like a camera, his detective's eyes took in everything. The woman was young, probably early 20s. Prissy. Hobeck Audiobooks. We know the power of great storytelling. We do? Uh, well, it said we do, so we do. Okay. <laughs> Let's just roll with that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, it's time to draw a close to London Book Fair 2022. You know, this happens to me whenever I go to anything, on holiday or anything like this. I, I feel a little bit sad at the end. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I can't say I do. No, you don't. No, I mean, I found that this has been a very challenging trip. Rewarding, but challenging. And I haven't... I mean, the main reason I've struggled, I mean, it's partly mental, because I really struggle in busy environments like this. And the introvert within both of us has been a, a, a stumbling block in terms of... You know, there's a lot of hovering to be done, and then cold introductions. Yeah. And I'm not na- I'm not a natural at that sort of thing. No, normally not even remotely. <laughs> no, so that's tough. But physically, on my feet, I haven't really been out and about, and you know, I, I wasn't match fit for this. No. Uh, and you know, we've done uh, twelve, thirteen, fourteen thousand steps a day carrying luggage most of the day yeah it's, and, it's physically and mentally demanding yeah and you know look, my, I won't lie to you my my legs have blown up like like melons they have I can vouch for that um, and uh, you know that's been there have been times when I could only my my mother who's 88 and uses a simmer frame gets around quicker than I could this week yes I wouldn't like to put you and her in a race right now no 
I would be... Well, I know where my money would be. (laughs) Yeah, I'd be a distant second. She's fiercely determined at 88 with the Zimmer frame. But all that aside, (laughs) it's a place where you learn a lot. You learn about yourself, but you also learn where you sit in the publishing firmament, where you can go in the publishing firmament, what we can do. And we hope that the people we've spoken to have shone a light on different aspects of publishing, but ultimately... It's all been about the love of books. That's why we're here. We love reading, we love books. That's what draws people here. And there are people here from all over the world. And every aspect of the industry, you know, you look at the name uh, lanyards and there's translators, editors, authors, publishers, salespeople, rights people, um, all sorts. Yeah, it's been extraordinary. And it is, it's, it's quite... It's quite overwhelming to think that this is only a fraction of the industry worldwide that could actually make it here this year. Yeah, that's true. Uh, And the scale of it. But we feel that we're as valid a part of it as any other of the people exhibiting here. And uh, next year, we hope to be in stronger presence. I would like to have a chair next year. I think so. I think so. And a bowl of sweets. That too. (laughs) But it's, uh, I mean, you know, we've learned a lot. And we shall use that knowledge and the new contacts we've made to take Hobeck Books to a new level, our authors to different places. And (laughs) hopefully, um, you know, we will have grown in knowledge and confidence from this whole experience. That goes without saying. Like I've said to you before, you know, whatever happens, you're not going to lose out. You're always going to gain whatever it is. Yeah, even if it's... Sweets. A bunion <laughs> or two. Oh, I've got bunions. That's something to do with walking. <laughs> fair enough. Fair Genetic. Enough. <laughs> Absolutely. Sorry, we have to leave it on bunions. But anyway, thank you so much for joining us in these special editions of the podcast. We will be taking a little break this weekend from our regular show, but we will be back again a week on Monday. So, uh, and you're going to ask me who we're interviewing. And no, I'm not I actually ask... cannot remember. No, I genuinely... I have no idea either, but I'm sure it'll be fabulous. But then you ask me who the Prime Minister is right now, I would go, I don't know, some bloke. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a 50-50 chance of being a bloke. Uh, you're quite right. Uh, we won't go there into any further political discussion. But anyway, look, it's been an absolute pleasure to bring these things, these programmes to you, the three special editions of the Hobcast. And if you've enjoyed these, and uh, there'll be plenty more fantastic interviews to come. We've got some promises from a number of wonderful yes, guests. Yes, that's true, actually. So we've got some guests in the pipeline for we today. Do. We do indeed. But we're uh, with you every week on the Hobcast Book Show, and we will be back, as I say, uh, in about uh, 10 days' time from where we are sending this podcast back from the London Book Fair at Olympia. We're going to make our way back to the Hobeck cat, who is probably desperate to see us. Oh, gosh. What she normally does is, whenever I've been away, she will sleep next to me for about 48 hours without moving. Yeah. So uh, you've got that to look forward to. <laughs> and we've got to look forward to our return to Hobeck Towers. But uh, from myself, Adrian Hobart. And me, Rebecca Collins. We'd like to thank you for joining us on the Hobcast Book Show. Please don't forget to look at our website, www.hobeck.net. And also subscribe to the podcast if you so wish which would be a great support to us so thank you so much for joining us it's been emotional bye-bye
You've been listening to the Hobcast from Hobeck Books with Adrian Hobart and Rebecca Collins. You can find the show notes at our website, www.hobeck.net. You can also use the exclusive Hobcast discount code for any of the products at our Hobeck online store. Just enter the code HOBCAST20 for a 20% discount. Don't forget to subscribe to the Hobcast and feel free to contact us with any feedback. Until next time, remember our motto, Trad Values, Indie Spirit. Indie Spirit.